It is the 73rd Republic Day. You open your phones to YouTube, Facebook, Instagram Reels, etc. and you see the army marching down the Parliament Road in New Delhi, the capital of the nation. The men march with arms, the women with rifles, the mightiest of the weapons and missiles and the splendid culture of this nation is on display for the world to see. But what does all this mean to the nation, to all those around the world who are watching? in all its might to tell the world on this day that it is a nation and a sovereign one that its people are free 26 january 1950 a nation mandates the very framework of its legal and national philosophy the constitution of india after two centuries of exploitation at the hands of the british east india company the people's collective will had reached its zenith for the call of independence A few years later the government of India act was replaced by the constitution of India. The Indian constitution among other things is a comprehensive document that enshrines the rights of its people. It promises six fundamental rights: the right to equality, right to freedom, right against exploitation, right to freedom of religion, cultural and educational rights, and right to constitutional remedies. As a free citizen of this democracy, how did you use your freedom to, of expression to greet your fellow citizens? My guess is via social media platforms like Twitter or Facebook. And did you watch this year's parade? If yes, it is more likely you watched it on Doordarshan's YouTube channel instead of the TV cable. And while you did all of this, did you see ads with flashing captions such as "Big Republic Day Sale" for things you said you wanted to buy last week? Did you feel like you were being closely monitored? We will come back to this later. Artificial Intelligence and the Future of Power is a critically acclaimed book on AI algorithms and their social implication by Rajiv Malhotra. As explained in the book, online services and algorithms drive the social media platforms to profit. So naturally, the platforms must have some usefulness to present in exchange for revenue to the market. But how it makes money is often hidden to the naked eye. An app like Instagram or Facebook does not submit an obvious method of generating revenue. Instead, the developers intend to sell specific data extracted from the user to the highest bidder. Thus, if the service is free, you are the product. Your browsing habits, search terms you enter in your browser are all up for grab and sale. and exploitation for example according to this wired article if you want to take advantage of its features then you have to give up a certain amount of information about yourself but facebook has ways of keeping tabs on people who aren't even signed up for the service you can't really stop facebook from collecting this information it's the deal you make when you sign up facebook's reach also goes way beyond facebook itself it has partnerships with a whole host of marketing firms and ad networks so that activities on other sites including but not limited to logging into a third party service with your facebook account in 2010 personal data belonging to millions of facebook users was collected without their consent by british consulting firm cambridge analytica predominantly used for political advertising Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg first apologized for the situation with Cambridge Analytica on CNN calling it an issue a mistake and a breach of trust. This was a major breach of trust and I'm really sorry that this happened. You know, we have a basic responsibility to protect people's data and if we can't do that then then we don't deserve to have the opportunity to serve people. Furthermore, according to this India Today report 
On August 3, 2018, the Central Bureau of Investigation was tasked with probing the case. The federal agency lodged a preliminary inquiry into the matter and since then nothing much has been found by them. It was alleged by the CBI that data of Indians was stolen from the social media site in violation of privacy rights and that the data was transferred without the user's consent, which is illegal. CBI is also probing if the stolen data of lakhs of Indians was used by Cambridge Analytica to influence voters towards a particular party. So coming back to our first question, do you feel like you're being closely monitored? The fact is that you are being watched even if you don't like it or are aware of it. Here is a relevant quote from the book Artificial Intelligence and the Future of Power. Most people cannot grasp the end-to-end implications of their social media activities. Happy as simple mouse-clicking activists, they are quite ignorant that they are giving up a fair amount of their agency. People voluntarily provide personal details about their lifestyle and choices thus enabling the digital platforms to model and predict their behavior patterns. In return, the platforms give them a broad distribution channel to build their reputation and achieve celebrity status. So how do we stand up to this breach of trust, online manipulation and hoarding of people's personal information? Do we pass new laws in the parliament? Do we pass a data security bill? There have been 105 amendments in the Constitution of India up to October 2021. The first amendment was done in 1950. After that, the constitution was amended 104 times. Is making more amendments the only option we have to protect our constitution recognized rights from the big tech? Data is the new gold and it's a gold rush in this age of information. Big tech's ability to access our data is not the biggest concern. The bigger picture is to analyze how they amass data and what they can do with it. The governments of India and Brazil demanded a report from Cambridge Analytica on how the breached data was used in political campaigning. In addition, various regional governments in the United States have lawsuits from citizens affected by the data breach in their court systems. But how much does that help? Here's another relevant quote from the book Artificial Intelligence and the Future of Power. Big data on all kinds of transactions and personal messages from millions of users is the most powerful weapon in the AI revolution. Facebook's appropriation of it is a case of blatant digital colonization that will further embolden all the social media giants in their aggressive interventions into India. But how much power does big tech hold? This comes into question with Twitter deplatforming the 45th president of the United States of America but allowing the likes of the Taliban to continue to operate. Following Trump's Twitter ban, the Polish government wants to protect posts that do not break the national laws. Algorithms or the owners of corporate giants should not decide which views are right and which are not. wrote the polish prime minister now uh, let's talk about the digital world do you feel india is running the risk of becoming a digital colony in the sense that google controls a certain platform facebook controls a platform uh, you know then microsoft has the operating platform so all the major technological platform on which we are running are generally us controlled and now amazon and flipkart has been bought by walmart so the whole digital economy uh, where we know there's a huge future for us 
we are the individual workers, but so it's like bricklayers laying bricks for somebody else's house. So at the end of laying bricks, I'm out of work, I have to find another client, but what I have built, I don't own any equity. I don't own a single brick that I've been working on. So we don't own the lines of code, we don't own the platforms, we're doing it for foreign shareholders. So uh, the tech uh, revolution supplying tech labor has helped bring a lot of talent to the country, educate our people, and bring some cash flow and money, which is all good. But the equity and the, uh, the ownership of these platforms has been in the hands of foreign entities. While China uh, did not allow these foreign people for a while, for quite a long time, and so instead of Google and Facebook, they had their own Alibaba and their own very massive organizations. So today they can say that they can take on the West in terms of digital platforms. So is there a, is there a digital colonization where we're dependent on foreigners? All the current studies and reports that are talking about AI, especially in developing countries like India, have a simple problem. They're written from the corporate point of view and not from the bottom-up point of view. They're not written from the point of view of the labor or the villages or the migrant workers who will be adversely affected. They're written from the point of view of, you know, venture capitalists and investors in Mumbai and big cities like that and uh, entrepreneurs and AI type tech people in Bangalore. So my concern is that these reports, whether I don't want to name companies, but whether it is World Economic Forum or various type of corporate, corporate people, those corporate entities are serving big business. They typically go to the large MNCs and ask them, you know, your use of AI and how much, how good it will be and what good we will do and all that. And so it gives you a good PR from their point of view. And unfortunately, government agencies mirror that and echo that. And I'm not satisfied with it. In his book, Rajiv Malhotra describes how the big tech is the new East India company. This was also picked up by Indian news media. On June 16, 2021, Twitter lost its legal protection due to non-compliance with new IT rules in India. According to a report by India Today, sources said on Wednesday that the microblogging platform lost legal indemnity in India after it failed to comply with new social media rules, which required it to appoint key officers in India. Twitter did not comply with rules despite letters from the ministry, sources said and added that no order will be issued to remove the intermediary status of the social media platform. So how do we stand up to this breach of trust? Here is a relevant quote from the book Artificial Intelligence and the Future of Power. Policy makers and other leaders in industry and public life, however, need to stop reacting as followers and start to engage the industry more assertively and aggressively. The irony is that in most democratic countries, the public does not see itself as digitally colonized. The real challenge, therefore, is to convince people they are being lulled into complacency and that they are explicitly giving up their agency because of the seductive power of social media. Wishing you all a happy Republic Day. This is Divya Nagraj for Infinity Foundation.